evening, fellow Goths, horror enthusiasts, and children of the sun and moon. I am your humble Los Angeles witch, Moonchild Nil, and no, this is not an April Fool's joke. Welcome to another episode of Midnight Tea. So guys, I actually was able to make good on this one. Um, I know a lot of you in my last episode heard that there was a possibility I would not be able to get an episode out for April 1st, but Goddess smiled on me a little bit and actually gave me a, a little bit of free time to do some recording. So here I am. I'm just about moved into my new place. Um, now when I say moved in, I just mean my stuff is thrown everywhere. Absolutely nothing is organized and honestly, it's going to be easily a good week or so before I get everything exactly to where I want it. But hopefully by then, I might even be able to maybe record an episode on YouTube to announce that I'm finally going to get that kickstarted. I also have some new audio equipment coming in that's going to make my audio sound a lot less crappy. So there's a lot of good things coming. And honestly, that's all that I've been feeling since 2021 has started is just be good and better and bigger things have been happening. And it's exciting. It's very, very exciting. Um, within the next month, I'm going to have the beautiful and honestly biggest ray of sunshine in a person you could ever find, Miss Xanthia Pink, who is a spiritual specialist, a Reiki healer who will be coming to bless my new home. And I couldn't be more excited to have her. So all good things to come forward in the next coming months. But right now we only have today, so let's do that. And also I wanna say a happy April Fool's Day to everybody. I think this year we absolutely need a few more laughs with how rough 2020 was and nobody was really laughing on April Fool's Day last year. So guys, Keep the keep the comments and the jokes coming because we all need it. We all deserve it. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode. All right, guys, disclaimer time in that tonight's episode may contain strong language, possible spoilers for books and media and dark topics. So this is your viewer or listener discretion advised. All right, guys, so let's go ahead and start this episode off with music. And though the topic I want to get into is not exactly goth or industrial music or even EDM for that matter, but I want to talk about a music video that just absolutely fucking tickled me to death. And if you guys have been living under a rock and may not have heard about this, I'm talking about Little Nas X. Now, for some of you guys who might not know that name yet, he was most infamously thrusted into the light when he did a music video or a song with Billy Ray Sia, Sia, words, when he did a music video and a song with Billy Ray Cyrus, Miley Cyrus's father, called Old Town, Old Town Road. What is with me in words today? <laughs> so we all kind of heard that song because it was kind of interesting. It was the first take of seeing a black cowboy when, you know, Traditionally, African-American artists don't really touch country music. We don't really connect with it, unless you're like me and your father worshipped Reba McIntyre. But um, but yes, he was really known for that song. That song exploded. It was such a big deal. And little Nas X hasn't had like the biggest, or I should say longest career. Um, and, and as I look through his YouTube page of his music videos... For songs like Rodeo, Panini, Holiday, Old Town Road, which I just said. And it's great. You know, I mean, the guy's doing really, really well. I'm really happy for his success. But those music videos are not what I'm here to talk about. I'm here to talk about the most famous one he had just done recently that is pissing conservatives off. And I fucking love it. And this is the song called Montero or Call Me By Your Name. Now, if you haven't seen this music video, I highly recommend a watch. This is definitely not a music video for kids, but this is, this might, I guess it falls a little under the not safe for work territory, but I was a little late to this train because I didn't watch the music video the minute it came out. I waited for it to get some clout and clout it got. Um, I see all of the, all of my, um, the goth 
accounts that I follow on TikTok and Instagram have exploded about this music video. And on the off chance you don't want to watch it, I'll give you a quick synopsis of what it is. And it is that Little Nas X portrays himself as Adam in the beginning of the music video where he uh, meets the snake who kisses him and gives him knowledge. And of course, we all know this is getting, this is already touching biblical territory. Then it goes to the persecution of him as Lucifer being pro- being judged by all the angels in heaven and slowly being thrusted down into the depths of hell. But he's doing it in a way where he's in thigh-high boots and he's got this fucking amazing cornrows, like long red cornrows. And he's legit riding a stripper pole all the way down to hell where he gives Satan a lap dance and then snaps Satan's neck to take over the throne. I I don't think I can say enough how fucking amazing this is. How badass. And the message behind it, which again is pissing off a lot of conservatives and Christians for that matter, is that they don't like that he is using this platform to corrupt the agenda of what was said in the Bible. Understand this, guys. Christians have been weird about anybody else taking the Bible out of context, yet it's perfectly fine for you to paraphrase the Bible for your own agenda. But when someone wants to call it out for exactly what it is, they're in the wrong all of a sudden. Mm. And that's not to say I'm disliking or discrediting Christians, because there are Christians out there that are respectable and understand Yes, this can be paraphrased in different ways because people have been doing this for hundreds and thousands of years. As a matter of fact, the first Bible is not 100% translated perfectly. Like how long the controversy was that gays were considered pedophiles because of a misquote in the Bible. And that was happening for years. Hell, some people still believe that that's true. And for little Nas X, who identifies as gay... This is a big deal for him because the message he's trying to convey in this music video is that people have long since persecuted that if you are gay, you should be shunned, you should be beaten, your soul is going to hell. And I've always hated that because a lot of my gay friends who identify as Christian in terms of religion have always felt like they are going to hell or their souls are damned because they lay with another man. And I'm sorry, this is 2021, people. We live in an era where you should not be judging anybody by who they decide to sleep with at the end of the night. That's none of your fucking business. None of it is. And it's not your job to save my immortal soul. For me, who who think, who identifies as bisexual and is happy being with a man or a woman. Or both, if if we want to get real about it. But for, some, for Little Nas X to finally make a music video that... Well, not finally, but to make a music video that shines light on how many, how much people are making such a big deal out of something they've already been doing for years, which is paraphrasing the Bible to their own benefit. I'm glad he called them the fuck out. Because in this entire music video, not once did I see an ounce of flaw in this man. He looks absolutely perfect. I think the message is absolutely clear. He does it so well. Don't let anybody stop you, man. Don't let anybody stomp out your flame because that shit was fantastic. I've watched the music video now four times in the last 24 hours and he looks great. I I say bring on the haters because you did it, man. They are mad that they cannot get to your level of awesome. That this fucking slams. It fuck it's lit. It's everything. It's every stupid catchphrase of 2021 because it's just so fucking dope. It's so great. I really do encourage people to go and check it out. I am, I, if it tickles you the way I, it tickled me, more power to you. Um, but I am absolutely here for how much this is pissing off the conservative and Christian communities. Because you weren't ready. You weren't ready to be that level of fabulous. So to that, I say little Nas, congratulations. Keep doing what you're doing. Keep making more shit controversial like the shoes you released. That supposedly has human blood in it, and they're only making 666 um, copies of these shoes. And you know what? I like it. Keep the con- keep the conversation going. Keep it keep it controversial. That makes life fun. But keep it controversial in a way where 
you're you're defying the norm. And the only people it's really pissing off is the people who are not open-minded. You're smart, man. You're very smart. Stay fabulous. Well, keeping on the music train, let's go ahead and talk about Hot Topic, which is, you know, every, every, every baby bat started off here. And Hot Topic teamed up with my favorite band of all time, which at this point you guys all know is Him. And they released a line called the Throwback Collection, where they released a t-shirt of the cover of Him's album, uh, their second album, officially, Razorblade Romance, which it's fantastic. If anybody knows the band Him, they know that uh, that cover. If you don't, it's Villa Vallo in this beautiful black uh, coat. He's shirtless got his hands on his belt and you can see a little bit of that awesome hardogram tattoo that we all let's be honest want to see the bottom point of smoking a cigarette with a pink background now don't get me wrong it's cool that hot topic is doing a throwback to him merch but here's where there's a little bit of problems it's only one shirt i don't like that hot topic and unfortunately even him's instagram the hardogram team instagram is only saying it's a throwback collection, but it's only one item. That's not a collection. That's just, hey, we have an exclusive t-shirt. Enjoy. Great, but don't call it a collection then. If you're going to say it's a collection of throwback stuff from a particular band, you need to have more than one item. Um, I personally remember back in the early to mid-2000s when him was bustling because Dark Light had just came out in 2005 and him merch was everywhere. Um, you know, bracelets, necklaces, posters, uh, sketchbooks. One of my favorite pieces of my him collection that I own because it's so impossible to find now and if you do, it's crazy expensive, is the him comforters. Um, they made a him comforter. It's a queen size one. They made two um, one of them, I only have one, but two of them, and the second one they made was black and pink with the hardogram on one side in a very large pattern is one giant pink one made of thorns. And on the back, it's the same one, just little ones dotted all over. Whereas the one I have is black and silver with a giant hardogram on one side and mini ones on the other. I love this comforter. I will do whatever I have to to protect it. And maybe most nights I don't even use it because I don't want to wash it and the colors fade. Because like I said, this is a very hard comforter to find. All my fleece blankets, my t-shirts. I have him stationary that I'll never use because I want to keep it for as long as humanly possible. And of course, that also doesn't discount the belts. The, you know, I've made like, I've had some old him t-shirts I turned into dresses. You know, I have two tattoos of this band. And, of course, almost every CD they've ever made. I even have their vinyl disc collection called Lashes to Ashes that is almost impossible to find now. That even has works that was never made. Um, or, like, the um, uh, 666 Ways to Love demo that was never truly released. And if it is, you good luck finding it. I have that on vinyl and it comes with a thumb drive that has all the songs on it. So you don't have to worry about wrecking your LPs. So for me, yeah, when it says we're releasing a collection of a particular band, do more than just one t-shirt. And as much as I love collecting him and I have more him t-shirts that I know what to do with and hoodies, like from their, from whether you bought it from Hot Topic or eBay, or for me, I got them mostly on their tours. Um... This shirt is really nothing to write home about. I even remembered having, it was a bootleg, but I had a bootleg Razorblade Romance t-shirt that looked exactly like this. So maybe I'm not the biggest fan of this. I kind of wish they would give us more. Because again, him has been disbanded since 2018. If you're like me and a big, like, you know, Villa Vallo fan, you miss him dearly. And I know he's still been doing smaller projects and when he went off and did the VV project, which was the three songs that you can find on Spotify. I don't know. I just feel like we, we as fans deserve a little more if we're going to do a throwback collection, but for what it is, Hot Topic tried. I mean, we all know Hot Topic isn't really goth anymore, but, and I mean, I take that back. They're, they're trying. 
to some respects, they're, they're trying to keep everything kind of patterned. Because we all remember at one point, you couldn't even find black clothes at Hot Topic anymore. But now that's like they're trying to balance goth clothes, rock, rock t-shirts with, you know, Funko Pops, Disney, anime, Harry Potter, what have you. I just feel like if, if Hot Topic's going to do a throwback collection, even if it's not to him, to any bands that were big in the early 2000s, go bigger. Go bigger because we are kind of your target audience. Like, yeah, I don't mind going into a Hot Topic and seeing, you know, Disney stuff and uh, Supernatural and anime. That's cool because, I mean, you're keeping with the times. But we are the target audience that was teenagers in the early 2000s when you guys started all this. And we want to keep that energy to some degree. You know, give us more to chew on. You know, I'm even surprised that now, almost, what, 20 years later, you can now find a a coffin backpack at Hot Topic. Like, that kind of blows my mind. When you used to find it so easily. Or, you know, weird gothic plushies that were from independent, um, you know, toy makers. I'll, I'll name one real quick where I had, I still have this. It's this white rag doll with blue dreads and she comes in like a black and purple fairy dress and she has wings and a chain that goes from her nose to where her ear would be and the doll's called twisted tatum you can probably google it you can probably find photos of it online if you're lucky you'll find it on ebay and she comes with a doll that or that when hot topic used to sell it they had a red version called jaded jenny who came in a schoolgirl's uniform with platform shoes and red dread hair and I thought these dolls were so cool. I had almost all of them. And then a fire happened at my home in 2009. And I lost those dolls, but was able to get the Twisted Tatum one back on eBay. They're very expensive now to get. I think they're like $50, $60. But if you find them. But, you know, and then there was even these dolls called Precious Miseries that looked really, really cool back in the early 2000s that Hot Topic used to sell. They don't have them now. And just other things in Hot Topic used to have that made them so cool. Like the gothic beauty magazines. They used to have comics like you could go there and find Squee and Johnny the Homicidal Maniac or Lenore. And, you know, even AP Press magazines like from musicians. I just feel Hot Topic just did away with a lot of the things that we love. And like I said, if you're going to do a throwback anything, these are the things you might want to take into consideration But for what it's worth, I'm happy that we finally have some him merchandise again. And I get it, the band's no longer around or together, but that still doesn't mean we can't appreciate it. So if you're looking for the shirt, it is on HotTopic.com. They also do sell it in stores. I do believe they're sold out online, and it is 20% off on the site in case they restock. But I think your better bet is if you really do want this shirt, go and check it out at your own physical Hot Topic store location. But if you if not, start demanding writing Hot Topics HQ. Tell them, hey, we want to see more of the throwback apparel from any bands that were big in the 2000s, not just him. I'm sure they'll listen. All right, guys, let's jump into the media. And we have a new article that comes to us from TV Line. And their online article reads as the headline, Evan Peters cast as Jeffrey Dahmer in Ryan Murphy's Monster on Netflix. Now, who now for any of you guys that might not be in the know, who's Ryan Murphy? Who's Evan Peters? Well, my goth people can tell you what's up. Evan Peters has been a total MVP for Ryan Murphy's original series, American Horror Story. Now, we've known him as the little shit in Tate Langdon in season one, Murder House, and playing various roles throughout the series, such as Lobster Boy in Freak Show. And I don't know why the name escapes me, but I believe his last name was Marsh in season five in American Horror Story Hotel. Now, this guy has just been amazing. He's been all over the place. He's most recently just been, uh, just played Quicksilver in the Disney Plus series, WandaVision. And of course, obviously, Quicksilver in X-Men Days of Futures Past. So, him and Ryan Murphy already have a really good working relationship. And now Ryan Murphy is going to be doing what is believed to be a docuseries on serial killer Jeffrey Dahmer. So, let me get just read you the first few paragraphs of the article. 
When it comes to casting Jeffrey Dahmer, Ryan Murphy is keeping it in the family. American Horror Story vet Evan Peters is set to play the infamous serial killer in the upcoming Netflix limited series, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer Story. TV Line has confirmed. As previously reported, Emmy winner Richard Jenkins, known for Six Feet Under and Olive Kittridge, will play Dahmer's father, Lionel, a chemist who showed a young Jeffrey how to bleach and preserve animal bones, a technique Dahmer later used on his victims. Penelope Ann Miller, meanwhile, will portray Dahmer's mother. Monster tells the tale of one of America's most infamous killers, who was convicted of murdering 15 men and boys, with his methods including mutilation, necrophilia, and cannibalism. Dahmer was later killed in prison by a fellow inmate. The series will focus on the perspective of Dahmer's victims and will also look at the police incompetence and apathy that allowed the Wisconsin native to go on a multi-year killing spree, with Dahmer repeatedly being nearly apprehended but then let go by the justice system that saw him as harmless. Now, unfortunately, guys, that's all pretty true. This is exactly the person Jeffrey Dahmer was and got away with a lot of this. As of now, we don't have any more updates in terms of when we're getting this docuseries. And I call it docuseries because we don't really know too much about it. I mean, it is kind of a biopic. And I'm sure like all anything that comes out of Hollywood, this is going to be taken with a grain of salt. It's not going to be 100% factually accurate. But I think for what we're going to get out of this, this is pretty awesome. Because even American Horror Story, though it does borrow for some real life events. There we go. There's his name. Alvin, though Evan Peters played Alvin Marsh in American Horror Story Hotel. The, the the story of this man plus the hotel is obviously clearly based off of H.H. Holmes, which this man's got a few documentary series floating around on streaming services, too. So there is some truth through the lies. And honestly, I think that this is going to be really great because we've already seen Ryan Murphy adapt, not only making a, a mock situation of portraying what happened in real life murders and odd occurrences but we've actually even seen him take real life people from history whether they've been serial killers or prolific people in history and throwing them into American Horror Story and for what he's done it's fucking awesome so I have a lot of faith in Ryan Murphy making this amazing I think Evan Peters he doesn't look exactly like Jeffrey Dahmer but I think he looks enough like him that it's gonna not fuck with your suspension of disbelief. I'm really excited for it, and I can't wait to see it. All right, guys, it's that time. Let's do some listener-friendly asked questions. Tonight, I have two for you. I'm going to keep it relatively short, and these questions both come to me anonymously, so let's go ahead and jump on into it. This question asks, what, if any, Twilight characters do you like? Uh, okay. Um, as you know, I'm critical of things that fuck with the lore or the rules set in place by the things I love. And honestly, Twilight was one of the first that kicked off a maelstrom of things that I absolutely hate. Um, I had a friend, and friend, who loved the books, watched the movies, and wanted to share that with me. And I wasn't... I had I had no love for Twilight. I To this day, I still don't. But l- let me explain myself. So I told myself at one point, when it comes to things that I hate, I need to watch, read, or do whatever I can to know what it is so I can have an educated reason as to why I hate it. So that's what I did with Twilight. So in the company of this friend, (laughs) I decided that I would start watching the movies. I wasn't going to go as far as read the books. So I watched the movies up until that time. I think this was the around the time Breaking Dawn Part 1 was just about to hit theaters. So I had watched the first three and remembered hating each and every one of them adamantly. And then she dragged my ass, and I mean that, dragged me to the theaters to go see Breaking Dawn Part 1, which I borderline fell asleep in. And 
the only thing I remembered was seeing Bella's back breaking and falling out laughing. Like, the whole theater was pissed with me. Because there was a loud, audible gasp from everyone else in the audience when they saw it. And for me, it just looked hilarious, and I just fell out laughing. Then... I never went and saw Breaking Dawn Part 2 in theaters. I waited years later until she had bought that movie. Like, this is years and years after it came out on Blu-ray or DVD or whatever. And I I sat down and watched it and remembered cringing intensely at the CG baby. And just yikes. But now, I think in the last two years, because I now have a library card on my Kindle so I can read audiobooks that way... I decided, okay, I'm going to give this another chance. And I read all the Twilight books. And I dare say reading the books is a little better, but it's still trash. I mean, there's no way to gussy that up. And because they were at the time also streaming on Amazon Prime, I also said, fuck it, I'm going to rewatch them now that I have a better understanding of these characters. And yeah, the movies are still fucking terrible. But there's segments and stuff that I do like about it and characters that I do appreciate. And I'm not talking about Edward and Bella. They can go fuck themselves. These two are the worst fucking people. Because Bella is so bland before Edward. Get that. Before she meets Edward. She is a, such a nothing character. She has no aspirations, no goals, no personalities, no interests, no hobbies, nothing. And she's honestly really fucking mean to her friends. Like, very judgmental about them. But all of a sudden, she meets Edward and her whole life revolves around this fool. And Edward's not a good character either. He is such a piece of shit. He's domineering. He's possessive. He's aggressive. He kind of talks down to her at times. And I'm like, and in this, you see a husband? You see the love of your life? I'm like, you both deserve each other then. If you're going to be bland, nothing pieces of shit. And even after the, the books and Edward and Bella's transition into their marriage and then she gets pregnant at 18, I'm like, yeah, good message there. Like, there's nothing about Bella that's positive. I'm sorry. And I know, again, it's a dated term, but she's Mary Sue. Like, wh- whoever the the author is, I think Stephanie Myers, is clearly living vicariously through this character who does nothing. And that that's the thing I took issue with with the movies. Every Every book, or every movie even, Bella wants something. Bella risks a lot of trouble and danger to not only herself, but others to get this thing she wants. At the end, Bella gets the thing she wants, but learns no lesson. You know, Bella Bella sees something. Bella wants something. Bella causes bullshit to happen so she can get the something, putting other people at risk. But then at the end of the day, she learns no new lesson and gets what she wants. That's frustrating to me. That's absolutely frustrating. Everything's just handed to her. It's not fair. So yeah, Bella and Edward can go fuck themselves. And truly... There's only about maybe four characters to me that mean a damn in this entire series. And I'm going to start from the lowest up. And I guess I would say the lowest tier would probably be Rosalie. I think Rosalie's backstory is crazy interesting in terms of characters. Um, I mean, they, they do touch on it a little bit in the book and the movie, but it's so tragic. And I think that makes me like her more. And she's so vain about it. Like, she's such a priss. And I do like also the fact that she doesn't like Bella going forward. And I mean, granted, she does warm up to her as the time passes. But again, still nothing to write home about. I I mean, you could also drop Rosalie from the story. I wouldn't, you would miss nothing. Um, Next would be Charlie. I feel Bella's father, for anybody who doesn't know. And I feel bad for him because Charlie gets treated like shit a lot in the book by Bella. You know, and of course I get it. She's got to keep this secret because she's dating a vampire and she can't tell him the whole truth. But Charlie's left in the dark so often. Some of the things Bella says to him, especially in the first book where she has to like lie to him to break, to save him. And I hate that trope in any story. You know, the man deserves better. He deserves to be treated with a lot more respect. And then the last, the first two that I care about the most, and they're, they're a couple, so I have to put them together, is Jasper and Alice. These are the only two characters I ever cared about in this entire series. Granted, I still hate their whole vampire story, but you could have made the movie strictly about their background, just their history separately, and then how they came together. That would have been perfect. That would have been a great movie. I think that should just be a movie, just the story of Jasper and Alice, of how Jasper was in the Confederate Army, Alice was a mental patient with a, with a very abusive family, and how they eventually met each other and, and 
that was the start of their life. That is a great story for me. Because I don't give fuck all about the rest of these characters. Not a single one. Even at one point where I was rooting... Where I was rooting for Jacob, that quickly got dispelled. And I hate intensely how the movie defines imprinting on someone. Because the book and the movie both imply that there's a sexual relationship that will happen eventually between Jacob and Edward and Bella's baby. And that's not exactly what imprinting is. When animals are born, or even humans for that matter, when we are born, we will usually imprint on the first person we see or the first one that nurtures us. And that's not sexual. You, like anybody, anybody that's born, when you're, when you're born, you imprint on your mother, which means you, you already made it up in your mind that this is the person that's going to care about you. This is the person that will take care of you, protect you from everything. They love you unconditionally. And that's why little kids, when they're scared, they will first run to their mother more than anybody. And that's really what imprinting means. It doesn't mean that, oh, I, I'm in love with her. I will be her protector and guardian until she reaches a certain age. Then she can choose if we're going to be in a sexual relationship or romantic or whatever. That's not how imprinting works. And the books and the movies don't really try to negate that theory. They actually play into it more. Especially when this one line in the last movie... It was in the book. I'm sorry. They never said it in the movie. Thank God. But Edward actually tells Jacob when he's in a, when Jacob says a wolf with Renesme and says, go take care of her, my son. Ew, fucking ew. And then even worse in the movie at the end of uh, Breaking Dawn part two, Jacob actually looks at Edward and says, so should I start calling you dad? Fuck out of here with that shit. That's so nasty. Seriously. So, yeah, I know I went on a little bit of a rant, but yes, to end your question, Anonymous, yeah, there are characters in the Twilight series that I like, and honestly, it really just comes down to Jasper and Alice, because Jasper's a fucking daddy. His backstory's interesting. I know we touched on it briefly in the third movie? Eclipse? I think think it's Eclipse. I don't remember. And Alice, who, she was the only character I liked immediately before I even really realized, oh yeah, Jasper's attached to her. So, yeah, it's just that, and other than that, fuck Twilight, because, not just because of how badly they ruined the vampire lore, not because the characters are boring as shit, but I hate Twilight for what it did to Comic-Con. Now, some of you guys, obviously, who are not in California or don't go to San Diego Comic-Con don't know what I'm talking about, but originally to get into Hall H, which is the biggest hall in Comic-Con. And because it's the biggest, this is where the biggest celebrities will go to. Like if there's going to be an Avengers movie coming out soon, this is where um, Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr., Tom Hiddleston, Scarlett Johansson, all the Avengers crew would go and physically be there and answer your questions. And you can see them. Sometimes you can even go up to them. You can talk to them. It only happens in Hall H. Now, what had happened was it used to be easier to get into Hall H. You could just kind of walk up and go and see your favorite panels. But unfortunately, Twilight counted as something that could be shown at Comic-Con. So what happened there was they started showing panels for Twilight at like the middle of the day. Con usually starts at like nine in the morning and lasts till like about eight or nine o'clock at night. But they would put the Twilight panels in the middle of the day, like one or two in the afternoon. And because of that, and the Twitard fans that loved them and loved this series, they would purposely go and camp out in front of Hall H for hours and hours and hours to see this. But not only would they do that, but they would also be there first thing in the morning and sit through all the other panels to wait for the Twilight one. So that basically meant if there was a panel that you wanted to see before Twilight and it was full of Twitards that were waiting there already, you couldn't go in to see your favorite panels. And that pissed a lot of fans off but comic-con said fuck it let's capitalize on this so they started making it a thing where they would continue to put twilight panels in the middle of the day and let the twitards sit there and do whatever they want and make long lines that were never there before just for this and that infuriated me because now that is the norm for comic-con if you want to see anything in hall h and it's been like that ever since and fuck them for doing it So, yeah, rant aside, thank you for your question, Anonymous.
my last question is also anonymous as well. And it comes from what are your top five favorite Disney movies and why? Okay, um, that's actually a pretty easy list. At the very, very top of my Disney movie list is my favorite movie from them ever, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's not... And yes, I have read the Victor Hugo book. I I found it interesting. I mean, obviously, Disney's not going to copy the ending from that the same way they wouldn't do the same ending from the original Hans Christian Andersen Little Mermaid. But I love the book. I love the movie, minus the gargoyles. But everything about what Disney did for it was bold because this is a really hard adaptation to do and they did it really well. Um, I love the fact that our main lead is not some rogue, handsome man. He's a hunchback that just happens to have a heart of gold. You know, I love the fact that our our female lead is this beautiful Romani dark-skinned woman. She's not your stereotypical blonde, blue eyes, pale skin. And I love the fact that it does tackle topics that I'm shy, I'm shy. I'm surprised Disney went there and it tackles, you know, beliefs and faiths, um, you know, prejudices against other people because of their heritage and, or the way they look. And I love that it, del- it delves into these topics. And I know people can argue this with me over which move, which Disney movie is the darkest, but I still say that Hunchback is the darkest and took the most risks. I mean, some people argue Black Cauldron has some really dark moments, and it does. It really does. I'm not trying to discredit that movie at all. I just think Hunchback delves into way scarier territory. As a matter of fact, I still sit by and stand that Claude Frollo is probably the scariest Disney villain we've ever had. Because you really need to play it very black and white here for a minute. We're talking about a man of the cloth, a man who has power. He's not a Disney villain like Scar or Ursula who wants power. He already has it in in the faith in the he already has power in the church when this again this is happening in the 14 and 1600s this man has power in the church he wants eradic to eradicate a genocide of romani people that live in france but yet he he's du- he's having a double standard because he's lusting over this one romani woman and he's willing to burn a city down just to have her that's so fucking scary. And the fact that nobody in Paris can do anything about it because the church rules over everything. That is the scariest villain I can think of. Because again, all, almost every Disney villain wants the same thing. They want power. They want a throne. They want a crown. They want, you know, infamacy. Frollo doesn't need any of that. He already has it. He wants one woman and he's willing to kill an entire city to get her. Super fucking scary. So yes, Hunchback of Notre Dame is absolutely at the top of my list as my number one favorite Disney film. Number two is surprisingly a Goofy movie. This is the one I grew up with as kids. As a kid, I had the VHS. I still have the VHS. Um, I'm gonna be honest. Roxanne was probably my first Disney female crush. It was the hair. Uh, <laughs> let's be honest. It was the hair. And again, I love the story of. Teenage Max wants to break away from his dad because his dad's kind of lame and a little nerdy. And the dad is... And, and, and Goofy, as the dad is in fear of losing Max because, you know, miscommunication. The principal calls and tells his son that his son is a gang member. And, you know, it's, it's a funny buddy-buddy road trip movie. Which the payoff with Powerline at the end, because I am a huge motherfucking Powerline fan. Uh, Tevin Campbell's songs are fucking amazing. What can I say? Like, the songs make the movie, if we're going to be very, very honest. Um, And, of course, I love the relationship between Max and Roxanne. It's so stinking cute. And I'll always cry about this, but there was a particular year I got tickets to go to D23, or was offered tickets, and decided not to go. And, of course, this was the year that it was the 25th anniversary of a Goofy movie, where there was a panel, and at the end of the panel, Tevin Campbell came out and sang Eye to Eye with clips in the background of other Disney movies of characters just dancing. I legit watched that video and cried knowing that I could have been there. I'm so pissed. But, hell, I even have a a Roxanne cosplay somewhere in my storage that I would love to wear again. So yes, a Goofy movie is absolutely in number two. Number three, who doesn't have this in their in their top five? And it's The Little Mermaid. 
that's not just because the Little Mermaid came out the year after I was born. She's a mermaid, okay? What more can you ask for? It's a great movie. Of course, it's not the same as the Hans Christian Andersen book, but who cares? We love Disney for it. Hell, I'm not even that mad at the sequels, which Little Mermaid 2 is whatever. Little Mermaid 3 was a cute prequel, but I love it. I love The Little Mermaid. I want to be a mermaid because of her. It's a fantastic film. Number four is going to be The Lion King. And not that live action shot for shot piece of shit. I'm talking about the original that came out in the 90s. Um, what can I say? My first image of this movie was phenomenal. I believe I saw it in IMAX as a kid. And I think that just made the movie just that much more powerful, that much more epic. You know, Simba's story, of course it's Hamlet, but told through lions and, and other African animals, but it's still fucking dope. Okay, this movie is still phenomenal. Like, if you have the chance to see it again in theaters, please do. Because this that's a movie that's so grand, it's so huge. Like, that first opening line of that Swawali song, holy shit, just does that wake you up. Like, this song is just... Like, Circle of Life, I hear it now and I'd still cry. Like, it's that's how powerful a movie is to get you that good. So, yes, Lion King, number three. Or, sorry, number four. Um... Now, my last one is a little bit of a toss-up because one is live action, one's animated. So if we're just sticking to just strictly animated Disney films, my number five would be Lilo and Stitch. And that is also because I grew up in Hawaii. I didn't grow up on Kauai where the movie is based. I grew up on Oahu. But I love this movie because I feel like it really did capture what Hawaiian life was like in in, uh, 2000. I believe the movie came out in 2003. And I was living in Hawaii at the time when that movie premiered. And oddly enough, Hawaii wasn't doing anything special for the release of that movie, which is weird. I don't even think there's any movie theaters on Kauai, unfortunately. But I went and saw it, of course, in my local theater in Oahu. <clears throat> Excuse me. And yes, the movie was beautiful. I absolutely cried watching it when Nani and Lilo are in the... Um, they're on their lanai and they're... Um, they're in the hammock and Nani sings her Aloha Oi. That still makes me cry today. I just watched the movie maybe about two months ago and I literally needed my friend to hold me while we watched that scene because I felt so homesick. I'm feeling homesick now talking about it. It's such a cute movie and for anybody who grew up with a rough childhood like you know how Lilo and Nani don't have their parents They're and Lilo is about to be a child brought up in the system that's really rough and that's such a hard topic that Disney went into I was a little surprised and of course every who doesn't love Stitch Stitch is fucking awesome you know which led to several sequel movies and their own cartoon series which was cool but I mean I'm talking about the first movie oh man did it capture what my life felt like growing up in Hawaii so Lilo and Stitch would be my number five, but if we are counting live-action Disney movies, which there's not many that I, I truly love, it would be Tron Legacy. I can't even begin to stress the excitement I felt when I saw what the new suits looked like, because we all remember the 1982 Tron and how it dated now, by, by all means dated now, but at the time, this was groundbreaking for CG. This is 1982, Okay, we've came a long way since then. Now, granted, that since Tron Legacy came out in 2009, yeah, the CG does look a little dated again, especially with the de-aging of Jeff Bridges. But I think for what we got at the time, that was fantastic. It looked really good. Uh, I, I'm in love with the new Tron suits. I love the new look of the Tron discs, the light cycles, the new, um, just the new vehicles in general, like the light jets. These things are dope and they change color compared to whatever your suit color is. That's fucking amazing. Um, Garrett Hudlin playing Jeff Bridges' son. I love that plot. I think he was a great choice. Oh, I love his voice. Um, <laughs> Olivia Wilde as the ISO Cora. I love her look. I loved that haircut for many, many years. And I love that it even spawned a little nighttime dance party at Disneyland's, um, Disney's California Adventure called Electronica. This thing was so cool. It had everything. It was a giant dance party at California Adventure. They even had their own drinks. They had people, uh, cast members dressed as the programs. They had this new host named Eckert who looked like Caster, but he wasn't exactly Caster, but he looked amazing. His suit was dope. 
Um, they even made their own version of Flynn's Arcade, where if you went in and you put a dollar in the machine, you got spat out, they spat out, um, Flynn's Arcade tokens, which I bought like $10 worth of them, and I just kept them, because they were so cool. And of course, they actually had actual arcade games, they had the Tron Light Cycle game there too, they even had ones for the new game that were coming out in, in succession with the movie. I mean, this was a huge thing. Like, we were even supposed to get a Tron ride at Disneyland, but because other sci-fi movies Disney released at the time didn't do well, everything for the next Tron got scrapped. We didn't end up getting the ride. Shanghai got the ride, which I've watched videos of it millions of times. That ride looks phenomenal. I'm fucking in tears we didn't get it. Um, supposedly, we are going to get a, our own... Tron ride probably at Disney World in Florida. We I don't think we're gonna get one here in California. But man, I just I don't know what to say other than Tron Legacy was a fucking phenomenal live action film. And that's gonna round out my top five favorite Disney films. So thank you, Anonymous, for that question. Oh, Cybercoth. <laughs> and as always, I'm sorry if I didn't end up getting to your questions tonight. I wanted to just keep them very brief, and obviously my answers for these ran a little long. But if you do have any questions for me, please feel free to send them to my DMs in my Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok, and we'll see what I the, what answer what questions I answer next time. Thank you for sending them to me. All right, guys. Seeing as I am moving currently, um, and I still have a million boxes to unpack. Unfortunately, the spell book that I read from for you guys for the usual spell of the week is lost in limbo somewhere among my mess. So what I'm going to do for you guys anyway is do a mantra, a, a, a positive affirmation, if you will. All this is going to require is about 10 minutes of your time. Go and find a quiet place in your home. Um, even my mother, when she used to meditate, would make a space in her closet that was like like sensory deprivation and what i would ask of you is to go into a private quiet place hopefully somewhere airy if possible light one white candle in front of you now i want you to meditate if not close your eyes hopefully you have no distracting sounds around you and envision a beautiful day i want you to have that candle in front of you and with your eyes closed, imagine a color. Start that way. Imagine a color that brings you joy. Imagine how that color will translate into something beautiful for the day. Always put forward that image and picture of your day. I, I do recommend that you do this meditation in the morning. Imagine where that day takes you. It could be as simple as a beautiful drive somewhere nice. It could be getting the drink from like your local Starbucks or your juicer that makes your day better. It could even be as simple as having a personal me day. Like mine is just sitting home in a robe, doing a facial, my feet in a foot bath and watching a movie. Imagine your positive day. Tell yourself, give yourself this mantra. I am the queen or king of my domain today. This is my center. This is my day. I will choose happiness above all others. I will spread happiness to all who come in contact with me. Let me share my joy with the world. Let this day be better because of the energy I exude. And conclude it with your affirmation of blessed be, amen, or and so it is. And you can let the candle burn out on its own or you can blow it out as you see fit. And give, that, give yourself that energy that week. That even if you do encounter something about the day that doesn't fit your agenda or something that might hurt your day, pull one thing, just one, one positive thing that came out of your day. It could be anything. Like I said, it could be buying your favorite Starbucks drink. It could be you pet a dog today. You bought or treat yourself to something that you wanted that you said, oh, maybe not today. No, fuck that. Go buy it. If it is it going to make you happy? 
Is it something that's not going to hurt you paying any of your bills or your rent? Go get it. Because treat yourself. You deserve that much. And that's it, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in on tonight's episode. Like I said in my previous one, I didn't want to make you guys any promises that this episode was going to happen. But I really didn't want to let you guys down, especially with prior to the last episode. It's been like a week and a half before I was able to do anything. But I had just so much going on. And honestly, now that the move is nearly finished, I mean, I still have to get small things here or there that I might have forgotten and I need to reorganize all my boxes and whatnot. It's it's cathartic, you know? It's it, it's helping me bring more serotonin into my life. And my heart is full with this move. I'm in such a happier place. And once I put all the pieces together, I can't wait to show everybody. There will be more content on my TikTok. I know it's been very dry lately. I I have several haunted LA segments filmed but not pieced together i don't have any audio to them but please be patient with me these things will be coming out very soon and as always if you want to find me on any of my social media my twitter is moonchild nil my tiktok instagram and youtube are morningstar moonchild please like subscribe follow and share if you enjoy the content that i do and as always feel free to be pm me or dm me on Instagram, Twitter, or TikTok if you have topics you would love me to cover in future episodes or if you have some questions for any of my listener-friendly asked questions. I know I do pick these questions kind of at random or if one just stands out to me, but I will eventually get to your questions. Understand that. Um, Of course, as always, please, let's keep all of the questions asked uh, politics-free. I really don't want to go there. And that is it, you guys. Expect another episode next week, Thursday into Friday. As always, spread kindness. It costs nothing. Please stay safe and blessed be.